Athletic. Right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Trenton Curtis crowned a stellar showing at the King Power as Liverpool continued their top four quest. Well, Leicester were left staring at relegation and will shed no tears for them. We'll get into a good night's work away at the Foxes along with James Pearce, Kiva O'Neill and Andy Jones. But first, those three words. Kiva. The hope continues. Uh, well, yeah, it does. It does. Andy. Uh, I'm going to go with Mo the Creator. Mo the Creator. James. Uh, Curtis Jones Masterclass. Love it, love it, love it. In fact, that's double it. Love it, love it, love it. It's six words, but I'm loving it. I am. Um, I, I thought it was a it was good performance, and there's so much to like about it. I mean, Tony, I think you've got to stick to the rules here. You can't be giving us three words and doing about 18. Hey, listen, listen, I'm the host. I can say as many as I like. <laughs> There's right, the rules. They're the rules. You know what it's like. It's the same with editors. We tell the writers what to do, and then you know, we're fairly strict <laughs> with them. And you know what? We'll throw out the rules when it suits us. And, you know, like managers, like managers. Anyway, let's see what they're saying about us on the Walk On podcast Facebook group. Steve Baker, that'll do nicely. Robert Schemer, three Salah assists. John Clayton, United are sweating. And Tom Wilkinson, our Scousers shine. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Curtis Jones goes again and scores again! That was fabulously taken by Curtis Jones! Trenton Curtis. Both fantastic. A good night's work for the academy. James, who should we praise first? Curtis, I think. He's been magnificent, hasn't he, the the last six weeks, really. And, yeah, coming away from the King Power last night, I was... I was, well, I was actually reading some of the some of the reaction to, to the, the chat I did with him on the side of the pitch at Stamford Bridge at the start of April when I think that was his first league start since October, only his third in all competitions all season. And and I asked him about you know the prospect of two, possibly even three big names coming in in that midfield department in the summer. And and he was like, I don't care who we sign, you know, I back myself to succeed regardless. And and it it was typical Curtis, anyone that knows him in terms of he's he's never been a young player who struggled with. With self belief, but yeah, a lot of people kind of scoffed at that and thought, well, you know, I think that that ship has sailed. But um, yeah, he's he's backed up those those strong words with deeds because he's, he's been brilliant. When you think, you know, now over the last six weeks, nine Premier League starts on the run, the longest you know sequence he's had in the team, and he's just grown and grown in stature. And I thought that was that was a new high for him at the, the King Power, not just in terms of his goals, which which were both. You know, brilliant finishes in their own right, but it's also everything else that, about his game. I think that's improved. I mean, staying fit has been a massive thing for him, but also, you know, Klopp spoke afterwards about he's having, you know, he's he's being quicker in terms of his decision making, not not having too many touches, not slowing attacks down, and and then also off the ball. You know, it was a great night for the academy when I think what was it the first time since two thousand and seven that you had two two Scouse lads scoring in a, the same Premier League game. I think back then it was Gerard and, and Fowler. Now it was uh, Jones and Alexander Arnold. But uh, yeah, for for Jones that was a that was a special night. Yeah, I, I thought he was he was excellent, obviously. And I mean, is it too early, Kiva, to see this as a him solving one of the 
positions in the midfield that you know we're, we've talked about all winter that they need to buy in the summer. Do we need to buy one less now? I think he's a problem solver, definitely. But I think I've said before this, you kind of don't count him and other players like by Chetich. I think you just can t- Liverpool have to have a plan to sign midfielders and don't count the midfielders like those kinds of players. I just think that would be the best way to go forward about this because obviously by Chetich, seemingly to a lot of people come out of nowhere. Curtis Jones is obviously now having a new sort of evolution in his own young career. I mean, he's 22 and it feels like we've been, you know, seeing him play football and talking about him for such a long time. But it feels like he's arriving now. And I don't think it'd be fair to sort of rule him out starting every game next season or as many as he can, because in this form he looks, you know, he's the first midfielder that whose name's on the team sheet. He's been absolutely incredible since he, he got back in the team. I think for him now, it's just, it, it has been about this, hasn't it, putting that run of form together. I mean, I like wanted him to do that. I think a lot of people did. But, I mean, he's even sort of gone above expectations in what he has done and being able to start nine games in a row and have like the effect and impact on the game that he is. And he just looks so good, you know, making those late runs. That's like, watched him at the academy for years. He could be a winger quite easily. I think his game just seems to be a lot more intelligent than it ever has been. And I think he's he's had world-class qualities. And I think James will agree, I haven't seen him probably in one of his first ever academy games. So, you know, he's always had that special sort of order around him as a player. But now he's sort of putting it back to back in games. And it's not like he hasn't done that before. But I just think it just feels different this time. There's been a lot of scepticism about him, um, Andy. You can see why with his injuries and all that. But, I mean, I... Often wondered, was he a forward? Was he a midfielder? Did he, did he fall between those stools? But what strikes me is what he can give the team is something that the midfield hasn't over the, the, the Klopp era. Goals. How, how do you see that? Do you think he is now, he's learned the midfield role and he, he can fit in that midfield where he was, he seemed to be slightly, you know, a slightly uh, round peg in a square hole. Yeah, I think, there was an element of Jones becoming a Liverpool a Liverpool midfielder and therefore it took away some of what makes him great in terms of that yeah that that sort that sort of attacking instinct because you know in that eight role you've got to be so disciplined whereas now you're seeing in this and and I think that's why Trent's such an important key to this and Klopp's reference you're playing more as a 10 now and now you you know, one of your biggest emphasis is, is to get on the ball, yes, but also be creative and be the person who looks to take players on in and around the box. And that's a key part to whoever plays in that position moving forward. And I think what, you, what you're seeing is his instincts to be able to get into the right positions. I mean, the goal last night is very, very similar to the one against Tottenham, where, again, he's sniffing it out, he's seeing where the space opens up and making that back post run to get on the end of a, you know, a cross into the box. And, when you've got instincts like that, he's not just done that once now. He's doing that. He's doing that again and again. So you can see he know it. And I think it was it was really interesting that I think after the match, Klopp mentioned that he's while he's been injured, he's had a lot of time to watch and probably analyze and study things. And he looks a lot more mature. He looks a lot more sort of certain in everything he's doing. And I think this, the new the new role helps. But I would imagine he's he's probably gone away and and, and learnt a lot. You know, just off the pitch, watching things, and 
and looking at his own game and then has been able to finally bring that in. And, and what we're seeing now is a consistent run of games where he's building it up. Because I, I think after Chelsea mentioned, he was just sort of playing it safe a little bit, just trying to get through it. Knew that he wasn't going to be the best you know, version of Curtis Jones. But now what we're seeing is he's building up to what last night you would say was the best version of Curtis Jones. And I think... It's amazing that Liverpool's like evolution and revolution, whatever you want to call it, you know, in, in this last run of games might be down to the positional change of two scousers pretty much. You know, the uh, Curtis Jones is being allowed to play a little bit more forward, which obviously suits him. And then obviously Trent, similarly, you know, let the scousers run is is what I'd say. Yeah, scouse power. You know, I mean, I'm all for it. (laughs) It's Alexander-Arnold. It's absolutely well, we've given Curtis a load of love there. Let's give Trent some. Because over the season, there's plenty who haven't. And you know what? Everyone will rave about his goal. And yeah, it's great and all that. But for me, it was um, Canate give him a pass. That put him under real pressure. He was being pressed. And he just zipped a 40-yard ball out wide, straight to feet. And I'll tell you what, Glenn Oddle, back in the 80s, when he did that, the whole country had like have a collective swoon. This was, that was just a beautiful moment. And Trent, what a player. You know, James, you know, I don't know why, one, you wouldn't build an England team around him, but we don't care about England. In fact, we despise them. But he's he's just, he's just something else, isn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah, he, he certainly is. I mean, he's, he's just outrageously gifted, isn't he? And you, you can't get away from the fact he did have some tough times this season. I think he, he struggled, you know, at a time when Liverpool were, were finding life so tough as a collective as well. And and you could see that, you know, his his, his confidence had been dented. But um, it's been a lovely reminder the last five, six weeks of of just that immense natural talent that he possesses. And, and, and again, he was, you know, by far and away the most gifted footballer on that pitch at the King Power. Just, there's just that swagger to him that's back, isn't there? And that, that role you know, has has given him a new lease of life. You can't get away from that in terms of... You can just see how much he's enjoying his football again. And I think that's the biggest thing for me that sometimes when you watched him earlier on in the season, it felt like he did have the weight in his weight the world on his shoulders a little bit. Um, but yeah, he was... The third goal just epitomises, doesn't it? That Just that that swagger that, he, that he's got going on. The fact, you know, how many players in world football could hit a moving ball like that? But yeah, so much else to admire about is all round game and and it it's just going to be intriguing to see whether this is now a long term solution or at, at the minute where he's just coming into midfield when Liverpool are on the ball it is very different than being a midfielder permanently because obviously if you're a permanent mid- midfielder you've suddenly there's other defensive commitments in terms of in that midfield department and it probably a lot more learning to to be done but um it's it's working a treat at the moment yeah i mean the key to it, I mean, other teams might work out the system, Kiva. But to me, there's a simple thing. It doesn't matter what system you play, get Trent on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I think now we're watching the game, and maybe we did this before, but it feels like we're doing it a lot more, and I'm doing it myself. I'm looking to see where Trent is and thinking, someone play a pass to him. You know, and I remember, I think we talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago when this sort of new role kicked off and saying the players almost looked like they were under instruction to pass the ball to him. But I think now it's more like, you know, they just want to because he's going to make an amazing pass. And last night, just watching him, 
Like, I was just like, he's going to do a madness every time he gets the ball here. And, you know, a few of his passes went a bit wayward or blocked or whatever. But most of the time, he would just like, it's like he's almost like a quarterback, but also like a golfer that's just going to hit the green and hit the fairway and you know exactly what they're going to do. That's just exactly what Trent is doing at the minute. And I think to have such a difficult season, like James mentioned, I mean, he was on a couple of assists, wasn't he? Which was mad. Now he's, you know... He's got eight at the minute and maybe, you know, could end the season with in double figures for that quite easily with a couple of games to go. He's a machine at the minute and it's phenomenal to watch him. Like, it just feels like he's, I don't maybe not, like, he just, I don't know, he just seems liberated, doesn't he? He seems free, seems happy and all season Definitely. he just doesn't look that way. And that's, I think that's sparking an effect on everyone else around him. And that's, you know... I mean, I think been the main reason for Liverpool's resurgence in recent weeks and how the two games left to go and they, and they might well qualify for the Champions League depending on results elsewhere. And I think Trent, you know, when we look back, will be very much uh, maybe probably the number one reason for that. Andy, you know, you look at his body language against City and that was that was a low. And his body language now, it's just, it's night and day, isn't it? It's changed completely. Yeah, it has. And, and I, th- I think a large part of that is because now he's been put in a role that is to maximise his strengths rather than, you know, potentially have his weaknesses exposed, which I think that the right-back role, especially this season when he's not had the support of, you know, of, of a consistent right centre-back and, you know, the, the midfield cover has not necessarily been up to standards. I think, you know, his weaknesses have, have, have sort of come or been been a lot more obvious. Um, whereas this system... It's all about getting the best out of him, and it's all about you know getting him on the ball and using his passing range. and And I think what what stood out to me yesterday was just the speed of the way he's doing everything. There was times when Liverpool would have a little bit of possession, and it'd be you know they just knock it about to each other and sort of just keep it. I think you know trying to calm the Leicester crowd down a little bit after that first fifteen, but then it'd go to Trent, and before you knew it, he broke a line with a pass. Um, you can't press Liverpool, him, can you? You can't press no, him exactly. It, it's everything he does is so quick. And so say it, and he's one of them. He knows what he's going to do way before the ball's got to him. Um, but it's also the type of pass. Pretty much every pass is forward. You know, it's it's breaking lines. It's getting you know Gakpo. I, I think must love Trent playing there because you know he drops into those pockets instantly. Can get on it, get on the turn. Everything he does is just so so positive. And you know when you give him the ball so many times you know, it increases the likelihood that he's going to get on a position where someone's made the correct run and he can go and find them. And it, it's just the speed of the way he's playing at the moment. And you, you can see that in the confidence and you can see he's just he's just loving life. If he played like this for a whole season, I think quite easily he'd be player of the season and above anyone else. If, if he'd had a season of this nine games and that had just been a run... You know, you'd be talking about and you know an unstoppable play, an incredible season, and I think that's the hope for Liverpool that this can continue on into next season, and Trent can keep doing this. And Liverpool definitely will be in a title race next season because with his performances like this, and I think as well, I don't know if you've noticed this or thought it, he just looks confident defending more than he ever did as well. I feel like you know that freedom to attack, it's just giving him that little bit of a little bit more confidence when he does defend. I just feel like he's doing that even better as well. I don't know if the stats would back that up, but certainly from the eye test, he just looks more confident going into challenges. Well, the, th- the thing is, if if you're, if you're he's causing so much problem for you and hurting you, you're not going to attack him as much, are you? Because you don't want to commit men forwards. Because, <laughs> you know, if he gets on the ball, boom, it's gone and you're in trouble. So, yeah, so that will help his defending. 
The stats do back it up, as our producer guys just informed us. He's won possession more than any other player in the Premier League since positional shift. And I think it did show that. It's been showing that on every game that's been on Sky, certainly. It'll say, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and then it's just like first, 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 first in, you know, whatever um, stats that they're putting up. He's like that kid at school and like sports day, you know, that just wins every race. That's what he's like right now. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Tony Evans here with Walk On, your dedicated Liverpool podcast alongside James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. You know, there's still more praise to hand out, James. You know, you said recently about how Salah breaks a different record every game, and last night he came up with a hat-trick of assists. Well, to be honest, though, that the third one, the one, the free kick from Trent, he just rolls it like a foot. Is that an assist? Is that an assist? Because, like, it blows my ageing mind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean with the, the the assist thing. I do find a little bit ridiculous at times. It's not, it's yeah. When you think you can roll a pass to someone forty yards out and then they hit it in the top corner and you get the assist, don't you? So, um, but I'd probably centre more on the first two assists that exactly, exactly. Again, I think it's it's an area of his game that kind of does does go under the radar really because usually with goal scorers like him, you know, you talk about oh, you know. It's all about the you know the, the the personal glory and and being greedy. That of course you have to be at times, but it's decision making that sets Salah apart from so many of his his peers in the game because he has this incredible view of what's around him and knowing when to when to go it alone and when to when to pick a pass. And yeah, the quality of the ball for for Jones for the opening goal was. Absolutely sensational, and then yeah, the same with the the second one. Just to get you know the, the awareness that you know Leicester certainly didn't expect Curtis Jones to pop up essentially in the number nine position as he did. Um, yeah, so when when you look at it, what's that? I think fourteen assists in all competitions for Salah now. Which when you twin that, we're going past the thirty goal mark in all competitions as well in a in a season when when Liverpool have been average for big parts of it. Those are quite incredible numbers. Yeah, I mean. It's fantastic. Remember, Andy, at, at a time when everyone criticised him for being so selfish? And um, <laughs> do you see this as part of his game that will develop? Do you think it's a change in us with him getting a bit older, a bit more mature, a bit wiser maybe? And, and, and you could say at some point he'll slow down a bit. So maybe he's developing his game? I think, it, I think that this element of his game has been there for a while now. And I just think because I, I sort of James alluded to, I think his goals sort of... Everyone thinks of him as the goal scorer and he's the guy who finishes everything off. And therefore, you can sometimes forget, you know, the other part of his game. I mean, Kiva did the piece about, you know, his ability to win the ball back in, in the opposition half. I think stuff like that can go under the radar. But when you when you generally look at, at Mo Salah and sort of, you sort of see the stats and, and chances created and, and all that type of stuff, he's always up there as well. But equally at the same time, I think you're right. I think this new system does benefit it in the sense that, you know he's he's coming a little bit deeper. He's got a little bit bit more responsibility in terms of build up, and that you know he's he's got to provide the width on the right hand side at times. And I think that you know as and he's going to be he's going to find himself in those types of crossing positions really where like like for that first goal last night. And so so yeah, I think this, the side that side of his game has been there, but I think it, it's only going to get better because as you say that you know he is going to have to adjust his game. At, you know in his pace, 
you know, eventually begins to wane a little bit and in, and he doesn't have all the tools that he, he, he has now because that's just the way football goes. And, and um, But he's always had that vision and I think he's always wanted to be that that sort of creator. And, and I, I get the, the sort of the selfish element because there was that at, at a time when it always felt like he took the shot on rather than rather than pass. But I think you, you've seen the development in that and, and the partnerships been, he's been able to build with others. So yeah, and, and I think it'll only, it'll only get better with it because he's certainly got the vision. He's got the ability to, to play those passes and, and create those chances. And if he can just keep doing both, happy days. The big question now, Kiva, I'm going to put it on to you. Here we go. Is where does it leave them in the chase for the Champions League? I think in a very good position. I think this game felt like it might be one of the most tricky just because I know Liverpool have had the odd weird results against Leicester away. And they've been awful against teams from the bottom half this season, haven't they? Yeah, they just haven't really seemed to sort of turn up at times or, you know, maybe it just looked like they haven't taken them serious sometimes, um, whether that's the case or not. But I just think Leicester was always going to be a difficult game. They're fighting for their lives, they're scrapping. Like, they've got some, you know, really talented footballers. They shouldn't probably be where they are. And, you know, relegation almost seems like it's, it's calling them home now because of that Liverpool result. And I do think... It was going to be a difficult game for Liverpool, but they just went there with the same swagger and sort of confidence that they've had in recent weeks. And, you know, that hasn't always been... Games haven't always been won so easily. And at times they've shown that, you know, the Forest game, maybe Brentford could have got away from them or, you know, could have ended differently. So, you know, they're just grinding out wins and that's what they've been able to do. And I think when you think of the Champions League and... Man United and obviously Newcastle United as well. You just expect, and I mean, they've got a both win. Is it two games from the last? They got three. Both got three games to play, and they've got to get two yeah, wins both of them. So you'd imagine that. I think Liverpool fans now are just praying, hoping that that doesn't happen. I don't know who'd be more likely to drop points, but Liverpool have done their job, haven't they? And they've just got to, like we mentioned before, obviously win out for for this season and and win the the two remaining games and just see you know, where it takes them. Well, yeah, the gap was 12 points after the draw with Arsenal in April, and now it's down to one. James, Newcastle, you'd think, are the, are the team most under pressure because, you know, they're fighting for a Champions League slot for the first time in, oh, donkey's years, and they've got Brighton on Thursday. That's got to be a difficult game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, we said on the last pod, didn't we, that out of the two, the, the Newcastle, I think, were the ones... You know that that there was real hope of of potentially catching because they had the more difficult remaining fixtures, and as you said, Tony, they, they hadn't been in this position before, which I think is a big thing at this stage of the season in terms of dealing with the pressure and expectation, and also the fans as well. Because I think I think it, it'll be a very different mood, won't there? I think around St James's on Thursday night, I think there'll be a an anxiety that that comes with almost it felt like you'd, you'd already achieved something, and now it's suddenly in the balance again. And and that that can set the nerves jangling. Well, for Liverpool, it's the opposite. It was like it was almost like these games were free hits because it was like mm. well, you know no one expects us to get into the top four now, and now they've built up this amazing momentum, and we know that Anfield will be absolutely bouncing on the weekend. So yeah, I'm, I mean, unfortunately, I don't I don't see United failing to get six points when you look at you know Bournemouth away, Chelsea home, Fulham at home. But, oh, good teams lose a Bournemouth. Good teams lose a Bournemouth. <laughs> but, but you look at Newcastle's, and, and of course, you know, we, we said last weekend, uh, we said last week, you know, going to Leeds wasn't going to be straightforward. You know, as it proved, it could have been even better for Liverpool, that result, if, if Bamford could take take penalties. 
and then you, you know you just hope that it's the Brighton that played at the Emirates that turn up at St James's on Thursday night and not the Brighton that entertained Everton because uh, talk about two ridiculous contrasts. So yeah, if if Brighton can do Liverpool a favour, I mean I, I worry slightly about the penultimate Newcastle game is home to Leicester, and having watched Leicester last night, I'm not convinced there's too much fight left in left in there, but. They go to Chelsea on the final day. And despite the horrendous season Chelsea have had, you know, just simply with the individual talent that's in that squad, they're more than capable of turning it on on a day when, you know, they can just relax and play without pressure. So, um, so yeah, it's it's just nice, really. I, I still think you'd much rather be in Newcastle position, wouldn't you, rather than Liverpool's. But it is a race that didn't exist a month ago. Well, you look, Andy, at Leicester, two years in a row in the top four to the end, looks as if they were nails on and basically lost the nerve. So, you know, we can we can dream that the Geordies will fall apart, can't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, because it, these are, you know, it's, it's the same as in that relegation battle these, and, and in a title race. These are the biggest high-pressure moments and no game is easy. Okay, maybe Leicester might be because, they, I mean, it, it looked like they're, they're pretty much accepting their fate at the moment. But, you know, no no game is easy at this stage of the season. Every every game looks difficult and a lot more difficult than it did in if you were playing in November or December, for example. And, you know, Liverpool have been here. They, they know how to, to deal with it, um, whether that be in a title race, whether it be in a top four race, which, you know, a couple of seasons ago, whereas Newcastle... This is uncharted territory for them, really. Um, and you, United, so you, you gonna, United might... as well. United, they're going to be thinking about the cup final, aren't they? Well, yeah, yeah. There are distractions there because they they want to stop that, you know, that potential treble that, that Man City could potentially do, which would which would um, bring comparisons to what they did in, in '99. So, and and United on on a team who consistently get Champions League either. You know, they you know they haven't been in it every year for you know for a number of of seasons really when you when you go back so there is pressure on both and and when you've got someone like Liverpool breathing down your neck who you know is more than likely than not and you know it's not a foregone conclusion but a, a, you would back them to win the last two games so you know you've got to get to 71 you know 71 at least United would need 72 because of, of goal difference Suddenly, those games do get harder, and Bournemouth away suddenly does, and, and give United away record, which has been pretty poor. That's not easy, um, and you just sort of you hope that Brighton can just get that result on Thursday, and, and that will, you know, that would really, I think, would really spook Newcastle. And then what you want is you want Pochettino to be, you know, brought onto the pitch before the game on that last day of the season. The crowds up, and all the players are looking to impress, and they put on this clinic, and they, they channel all of their rubbish. <laughs> throughout the season, Chelsea, and just put it into this magnificent performance. But Newcastle will feel that pressure, and, and if it goes down to the final day, which you would expect it to, stranger things have happened, haven't they? We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. 
In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Welcome from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Keever O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, don't think we forgot Bobby Firmino. Gary Neville called him Liverpool's unsung hero on Sky Sports on Monday Night Football. Uh, while the Liverpool fans were singing his name for 11 straight minutes, Kiva, what a reception for the boy. Yeah, he's never been unsung, has he, from this part of the world. I think Liverpool fans have always been calling him... Uh, well, the best in the world, as we know. And it was great that that sort of away end was bouncing and lively and it just felt fitting that obviously Trent scored to sort of end, you know, the 11 minutes, which I didn't know went on for that long. Felt like 20 minutes, didn't it? I think it was nice to see him obviously on the bench, well, behind the bench, wasn't he sort of smiling? I mean, you could the away fans could probably see his teeth from there, couldn't he, with his big bright smile? <laughs> and then obviously at the end, he sort of gets that, you know, moment in front of the away fans. And I just really hope for him that he's able to to play against Aston Villa, even if it's, you know, coming off at the end, because he, de- he deserves a an Anfield goodbye, doesn't he, in front of the cop? And he'll get that no matter what, but just to see him play, maybe score would be quite fitting. Otherwise, I think we'll be you know, clinging on to the goal against United and obviously the goal against Arsenal as well. But yeah, what a player. Just watching him last night and his reaction to that and how the players would respond and the fans singing his name, you're kind of thinking, that's oh, really real. Like Bobby Firmino is leaving Liverpool. It just feels like he's been here forever and it'll just be weird without him, won't it? It does. It seems strange. I mean, no players played more for Klopp. 353 times, James. That's That's a lot of games. And... I mean, let's admit it. There are times when he wasn't appreciated. He is now. But there were moments when people were like, oh, need to get a nine and who can score? Yeah, I think um, it, I mean, he, had a, he had a difficult introduction, didn't he, to life at Liverpool after arriving from Hoffenheim because there was always that that feeling that, you know, did Brendan Rodgers really want him? There was, you know, in, the, in those kind of final throws of the Rodgers reign, watching him play you know, out on the wing, might have even been as a wing back at, at, at Old Trafford, and you're completely isolated, and you, you kind of wondered, you know, what, what what Liverpool had done, you know, spending a significant amount of money on him. But then, yeah, so, uh, there was, and I remember there was a quote from Klopp, wasn't there, very soon after he arrived, where he said, you know, when he was on his sabbatical, when he saw that that Firmino had gone to Liverpool, he said how have Liverpool done that? Because where Liverpool were at at that time, he said, you know, for, and for that price, he said, I, I couldn't believe, you know, that they'd managed to pull that one off. So you you kind of sense that he really embraced taking him on. And then, of course, it, it was like a flicking a switch, really, when you transforming him into this this false nine that was, he's was just been that kind of selfless team player that's knitted everything together. When you think back to it, initially, it was the understanding he had with Mane and, and Coutinho, of course, and then obviously Salah comes in, and it just goes to the next level. And yeah, I've been you know collecting tributes from all kinds of people this week for a piece on the Athletic later this week. And um, I think I think the, the biggest thing is uh, there's there's definitely been 
you know, he, he won't, let's be honest, he's not going to be in the conversation for, you know, the greatest signing that Klopp has ever made or the greatest player in Liverpool's history. But I, I can't think of any player who is as universally loved as Firmino because you, you usually get, you always get, a mon- usually there's a, a, there's a, there's a section of people who, you know, who, who take a dislike to a certain player for some reason or doubt them or anything. But, you know, he's just an absolutely adored. And I think part of it is the fact that he's always played with that beaming smile on his face. And he, and he just looks like he just, it's like he's living every fan's dreams when he steps out onto that pitch every time. Yeah, I mean, there was never any drop-off in the effort. And I think you're right there, James. You know, he's not going to be in the conversations for the greatest and all that, but I think he should be in the conversation. I don't know whether you agree, Andy, for like the man of the moment. And if you're going to encapsulate the Klopp era, you know, over the sort of the winning periods, you know, he's got to be one of the big symbols of it. Yeah, well, I think how does that front three function without him? I think is that that is the big key because even though, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, there were times when he wasn't necessarily the goal scorer and people questioned his his goal return, but that didn't that came second to what he was there to do, which was knit everything together to allow Mane and Salah to be Mane and Salah. Without Firmino, what would the, a Klopp team have looked like? Because he was so central to this change, to the false nine. Mm. And you know, you think back to when he did it, and you go, oh, "I don't know about this. What's going on here? Is is this going to work?" And then, you know, you see some of those early results: you know, the three-one away at Chelsea, the uh, the four-one away at City, and suddenly it's like, "Oh, yeah, this this looks pretty good here." And then it's it's as time went on and it got better, and you know, you got better players in around them as well, and and, and Klopp built the squad he remained the centrepiece to it and he remained mm. integral to it. And, you know, Klopp's talked about how books will be written about how he's played the game and, and how he's, he changed that number nine role. And he, he did, he, he did. Uh, like I, I've never sort of, the false nine became much more false nine after Bobby Firmino, didn't it? And, and other teams started to look at it a lot more. And and it was because of the influence he's had, not just on Liverpool and the way they've played, but also the influence on the game, I think. And I think you're right. I think that, you know, he, he epitomises the Klopp era, I think, in, in terms of everything about the way he played, the way he went about his business, but also the personality, the character, the the big smile. There's always been that enjoyment, that fun of playing footy, and that's exactly what Bobby Firmino did every, and has done every time he stepped on the pitch at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, football, fundamentally, should be fun. It should be a laugh, and he encapsulated that. Kiva, what are your favourite memories? One that sticks out is that obviously I mentioned Liverpool fans singing, you know, that he's the best in the world. And he literally was when he scored Liverpool's, you know, winning goal um, in the Club World Cup. It's Firmino, it's the sit for Liverpool, Roberto Firmino, the Brazilian against the Brazilians. That just felt like his moment, didn't it? And a moment he'll look back on forever, and I think Liverpool fans will be. So, you know, he, he was the one that made Liverpool world champions in that moment. He's brought Samba to Anfield, Samba Magic, always. You know, he always looked to do everything beautiful, everything creative and fun. And he's made football a joy to watch. He's always been a joy to watch for Liverpool. And, you know, wherever he goes, I think he'll he'll remain to be. It'll be probably difficult for us to uh, see him playing for someone else just because... You know, Bobby Firmino is Liverpool and I love that, you know, he could quite easily be Roberto Firmino, but of course, you know, it's quite scouse that he's Bobby, isn't it? And he, I think he'll <laughs> remain Liverpool's Bobby Firmino for forever because, yeah, he is just, you know, we were saying similar things a year ago when Sadio Mane, you know, could have been 
obviously was leaving Liverpool and, you know, it, it just feels quite emotional almost, doesn't it? That, you know, that front three, that sacred front three, will now be down to just Mo Salah. And yeah, I think Firmino deserves all the flowers he, he's going to get over the next couple of weeks. There's not, for me, an iconic goal, James. There's not an iconic moment of skill. It's just that his career in the round, you know, in fact, if anything, it's a, the mad hiking celebration that, that, that comes to mind first. It takes a special sort of player to, to get that sort of, to provoke that sort of feeling. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I was trying to think actually of the favourite memories and, you know, Kiva mentioned one there, you know, I was in Qatar when Liverpool won the Club World Cup for the first time and and that, you know, I'm sure if you asked him, that would be right up there across the eight years because especially the fact he was doing it against Flamengo from his country to to, to be the man that, that won that trophy because we know for, you know for South American teams that's, that's always meant, you know, a hell of a lot more than I think it does to to European opposition winning that competition. And um, I think he scored twice, didn't he, in that 5-2 demolition of of Roma. Um, was that 2018? You know, that season, 26, we talk about him not being, you know, he's never been a, a massively prolific goal scorer. But he got 27 in all competitions in 2017, yeah, 18. Yeah. That was, you know, it was a hat-trick, wasn't it, against Arsenal, I think, the, the following season. And But you're right, it's more, I think it's just more the general way in which he's gone about his business. And, you know, I think back even to that first season, I think I still see it sometimes on Twitter during the rounds, like the, the, the short little clip of, I think it was a spin he did against Villarreal in the semi-final of the, the Europa League, when of course Liverpool had lost the first game 1-0 over there. And if you remember rightly, the Villarreal manager had, had gone absolutely berserk at the final whistle. And I remember Klopp afterwards, you could tell he was going to use that as part of his kind of banging the drum ahead of the second leg. You know, Did you just see how much they've celebrated? And, and then if you remember rightly, you know, Anfield was absolutely rocking that night and Firmino led the charge and yeah, just an outrageous piece of skill to to embarrass a couple of defenders. And... I think it was Soldado, he sent him for the echo, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's I think that it's moments like that you remember him for, just you know, just, just the outrageous bits of skill and the, the some of the assists, you know, the ridiculous flicks and and tricks that he has up his sleeve. And it, and again it all just comes down to he almost he's almost played the game like you know like there is no pressure on his shoulders that that you know you know why can't I just take take risks and express myself and and just he's just a unique footballer isn't he like you're never ever gonna you know I know we've talked about you know Cody Gappo has been immense since he's come in and looks like he's tailor made to kind of carry on that false nine role but he's not Roberto Firmino there won't ever be another Roberto Firmino that's why he's get you know it's going to be incredible on. Saturday, I think it was interesting both hearing Klopp and spoke to Jordan Henderson after the game, talking about the need to control the emotion on Saturday because you know he was saying you know yes of course we want to give a proper farewell to these these big names that were sadly waving goodbye to but he said you know the most important thing is is winning the game so you just hope that Liverpool can do both because um, what you wouldn't want to do is that that emotion ended up affecting anything in terms of what goes on the field. Ideally, you get the game won inside 75, 80 minutes and you give Firmino the the last 10 or 15 that, that we all want him to get because, um, you know, Klopp said last night, he's, he's you know, the players are off today, Tuesday, but Firmino will be in and then Wednesday back with the squad, having missed the last six games with a muscle injury. Yeah, and that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? And, you know, 3-0 up, quarter of an hour to go, put him on, he gets the fourth, Everyone would be happy, Andy. That'd do us, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, I mean that that's that's the ideal one, isn't it? That's that would be the perfect scenario, and then we get to sing the Firmino song for another ten minutes straight. Might be even but yeah, longer, just just thinking back over. Yeah, probably. I'd imagine <laughs> they'll they'll struggle to get a few out the ground afterwards. Um, but yeah, just to go back to the, some of the memories as well. I think the one that sticks out for me is there's there's the the last minute winner against Tottenham at Anfield when fans came back in. And I just didn't remember him sort of running the length of the pitch just to go over to the Yeah, fans. that was after COVID, um, wasn't it? Was that the, the Tim Sherwood commentary goal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was in that in that weird bit where fans started coming back in and then had to stop, I think. Um, what did Sherwood say? It was something like... Not too worried about these corners. I mean, it might come back to bite me here, but I think Tottenham have got the dominant, dominancy in the air there, you know, so... Not sure anyone can get the head on the first ball for Liverpool, apart from that one. Oh, oh Sim! Oh, it's Firmino! <laughs> it's classic Sherwood. Um, classic Firmino. And then the only other one... Well, yeah, and then the only other one would be is, um, is Belton against Stoke, away from home, when he came off the bench and Liverpool turned it round, and he took his top off, and he threw it in the air, and then it landed perfectly with Firmino 9 on the back. And I was like, if anything, one... For a player who was all about touching class, to just blam it past the keeper was class. Um, but then just to lay it out perfect, I think just summed up Firmino in that everything he did was just so majestic that is even his top when it was flying through the air landed perfectly with his name and number. I remember seeing him, seeing him years ago. I think probably maybe his first season. He was with his family. It was a sunny day down the pierhead. Maybe not long after he joined Liverpool. I remember saying to like my family who I was with, oh, that's Roberto Firmino. He plays for Liverpool and sort of pointing him out. And I think back to that and think, you know, he probably couldn't walk down there now without, you know, a swarm of, of fans behind him or following him, asking him for pictures and autographs because, you know, he arrived at Liverpool as a as talent, but he, he's leaving as an absolute superstar, isn't he? He is, he is. And you know what? We're going to miss him. But... But he may still have some more memories to leave us with. Let's hope so. That's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiefer and Andy, and you as well for joining us. We'll be back on Thursday as we gear up for Bobby's emotional farewell and assess what threat Aston Villa may bring. We'll catch you then. Athletic.